Hi. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back to It's Not an Allegory. I'm Pam, and this is my absolutely wonderful co-host, Erin. How's Hello. it going? It's going good. Yeah. I'm awake. I'm alive. That's fair. Yeah. It's one of those days. Good. We This was the quickest <laughs> we've ever planned a podcast last night. Um, and, and the it, earliest. And the earliest. Normally, our podcast planning, and it totally shows up in our recordings, hap- we say it's going to happen around 11, and it ends up happening around 12.31-ish. This time, I think we said 11. We started at 11.15, because I was a little late. Yep. And we were done by, I think, 11.45. Yep, we were. And then we went to bed. Beautiful. It was it was grand. Yeah, that was mostly my request. I have not slept well all week, and I was like, I just need sleep. Mm-hmm. I need to use the sleep. So I requested that we that actually, we actually get stuff That going. was so late for me. I've been like, for the last three days, I've been in bed by like 9.30, 9.45, and asleep by 10. Do you know how glorious that is? I I'm don't. living actually. my ideal senior citizen life. That's great for you. Yep. Can't relate. No, I know you can't. Not at all. <laughs> so, to start, the coffee. The coffee. Well, this week is one that we've actually had before, which we were excited because it's one of our favorites. It is the Columbia Exotic Toledo. Mm-hmm. It has dark chocolate tones, toasted nut, caramel. It's real nice with pour over. It goes down so smooth, and you can feel those nice mm-hmm. tones. It's not bitter. It's not super sour. It's very well balanced cup. Yeah, it's beautiful. I like drinking it while I'm having mm-hmm. a dessert. I don't get dessert often here at Miller because I don't take dessert at the dining hall. And I don't really like sweet things. I don't like to, I, I don't like sweet things. That's the actual reason. Yeah. But like every once in a while, if I do get dessert and then like I'm or I make a dessert in the hall, I make a mug or a mug brownie or something. Yeah. I like pairing it with this coffee because it's not a like punch you in the face kind of coffee it's just a nice which is good we like punch yeah. you in the face coffee. i like punch you in the face coffee i like that in the morning not at 8 30 at night when i'm drinking yeah. a coffee and this drinking, is like your coffee and kuchen time wait you're not german for your mennonites you know what that is or i guess mennonites not, might not do that kuchen might be i don't know for the germans like raw kuchen no that well no that's cookies oh. but in germany german <laughs> So confusing. Why do, Why are we like this? It, like, coffee and cake would be, like, oh. around 3 p.m., 4 p.m. Yes. in the afternoon on Saturdays. And that's, like, it's just the cultural thing that, like, you maybe go to your neighbor's house or your, your mom's house and you have coffee and kuchen. And it's a great, huh. great cultural tradition. Highly recommend. What kind of cake? Whatever you want. Okay. So, like, my coffee cake would be the ideal, like, that okay. kind of cake. Like, not something okay. super sweet. But, like... That's the only good cake in the world other than cheesecake. Be like tea time. Oh. But German, so coffee. I support that. Yeah. Honestly. Instead of tea and biscuits, coffee and cake. Mm-hmm. It's so much better. That sounds lovely. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Let's bring I... back... Let's bring a cultural tradition to Canada. Except for... I don't like dessert. No, but you like coffee and some kinds of dessert. Yeah. And it'd be, like, the mild... But there's no excuse for me to eat cheesecake at 3 p.m. every day. <laughs> What if it was a cultural, not every day, what if it was a cultural tradition, though? <laughs> like a cultural practice kind of thing. I you feel like to- you don't understand my self-control and I would find a way to eat cheesecake at every day. Oh, yeah. So, 
let's not bring it back because there's no reason for me to be making excuses to eat cheesecake every day. Not if you're not a coward. Only if you're not a coward. That's how English works. My family has a history of health problems. Oh, never mind. <laughs> we'll move on from there. This is getting ridiculous. <laughs> okay. So we decided instead of an obscure question about something in our lives, we decided that because we both have histories in ministry, specifically the most chaotic ministry, which is in fact youth, youth ministry, ministry, we were going to tell some stories because Aaron has stories. So many stories. So many stories. I did youth men for five years. Mm-hmm. So like... Actually, okay, grade seven, I started in the f- helping with the four and five-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Did that for three years. Then I started helping with the junior youth, so grade seven and nine, when I was in grade 10. Did that for three years. And then I left for a year, and then I did senior high men for a year. So I have many moons mm-hmm. of experience with the most insane age group in the church. And then I did Campman from ages oh, 15 to Camp present. Oh. That's seven years. Campman <laughs> is its own little beast. We got to talk about that oh, sometime. Yeah. But, Aaron, what is your most chaotic story about youth ministry? Okay, I have many chaotic stories that kind of would tie, but this is my one of my favorites, mostly because it involves personal bodily harm. Ah, my favorite. Of the slapstick variety. So, we're playing a game called Murder, and there's one person who's the murderer, no one knows who that person is, they kill you, air quotes around that, by like pinching the back of your neck, and then you wait 10 seconds, you scream, and then you go downstairs and you're dead, and you're trying to figure out who the murderer is. Well, I saw someone get murdered, so I knew who the murderer was, so I was about, but he saw me, so he's chasing me now, because he wants to kill me before I can go and tell the person who picked the murder and win the game, right? So he's chasing me right to the top of the stairs. I tried to take stairs much faster than you're supposed to, and I somersault, tumble down this, all the way down the stairs, from virtually the very top step all the way down to the basement. And no staircase at a church is a normal amount. No. (laughs) It was all, like, vaulted ceiling staircase, like... We love that. Oh, man. So, tumbled all the way down, and he's at the top. He's just this kid in grade 11, and he's horrified. He's like, my youth leader just fell down the stairs. Like, and I, I starfished at the bottom. Like, I landed on my back, and I took a second. I'm like, I don't think anything's broken. Very bruised, but not broken. I think I'm okay. And he comes down the stairs, but by the time he gets there, there's been people who have gathered around me because... I just fell down the stairs, and I realized I'm fine. There's people there, so he can't murder me, and there's too many people for him to try and murder them all. So I got up and walked to the other room, and I won the game. Well done. I sat out the next round. You don't say. I won the game. I can just imagine the pure panic I would have as a youth leader. I was a youth leader. I would still panic. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Like, if you were the one to fall down the stairs? No, just watching somebody else do it. I'd be like, oh, no, can we get sued for this? Can we get sued? No. 
No, we can't. We signed a waiver. We signed a waiver. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think you'd appreciate that one. I do. I was fine. I had some bruises. Like, some mm. nice bruises, you know? No doubt. The ones where it's like, this has a story to it. Mm-hmm. And I wore them with pride. <laughs> it's awesome. Typical. <laughs> Is that junior high or senior high youth? Senior high youth. Nice. I think. I don't remember. They The years have all blended together. It's true. Yep. I don't yeah, know. Okay. Well, especially because, like, the same kids mm-hmm. move up, right? Mm-hmm. And so I had the same girls from the time they were in grade 7 Till grade 11, mm-hmm. or grade 10, I guess. They're in grade 11 this year. Oh, in grade 11 now? Oh, my goodness. Anyways, tell us your Thanks, story, man. Pam. Um, mine is a different kind of humor, in that my youth team and I can never play tic-tac-toe again. <laughs> and tic-tac-toe. Tic-tac-toe. You would give think. Give me next, give me now. Uh-huh. Three in a row. Yeah, we, yeah, that's we it. tried to play tic-tac-toe with a bunch of junior high kids. And... Ju- junior high? So junior gr- high. Grade 7 to grade, 9. Yeah. Uh, we started out at grade 6. Grade 6 to 9. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so basically, we took <laughs> we decided to play giant tic-tac-toe. So we made a tic-tac-toe board on the floor. And we took all the couch cushions. You either got a pink couch cushion, because we had awful 80s pink couches. Of course you did. Or a green couch cushion, because we had awful... 90s couch cushions. Of course you did. And we put them on opposite sides of the room and tell these kids oh, to play... T- no, right. We tell these kids to play tic-tac-toe. We spent 10 minutes telling these kids how to play tic-tac-toe. They'd never played? Maybe they're just messing with you. Maybe. But then we let these kids loose and watched as they sat there looking at the board and it's like a fast game like we made it a relay race so you're in two different rooms yeah, yeah. pillow play right sounds awesome it sounds awesome they couldn't figure out how to win so they wouldn't like the other team would have two in a row and they'd put it on the opposite end of the board or they just kind of sit there like i don't know what to do so they just kind of give up and they just put it in the middle and we're just sitting there like, that doesn't do anything. They're going to win. And they'd be like, I don't know. But it was both teams. And so there was nobody winning any of the games unless it was by accident. Is the collective IQ in this room like We 12? don't. We don't know. And we explained time and time again how to play tic-tac-toe. <laughs> you it, lost so many brain cells that night. It was so painful. One guy was in the corner curled up. The other guy just kind of stood and stared into the void as if he was in the office. (laughs) I sat there hiding my face because I could not possibly understand how these 10 to, or no, 11 to 13-year-olds can't figure out, 14-year-olds can't figure out how to play tic-tac-toe. This happened, like, at least six times. These kids, for the life of them, could not figure out how to play tic-tac-toe. You tried to play it six different times? Yeah. Well, that's on you at that point. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> if you think... That's like the It was never my idea to play tic-tac-toe. Doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different outcome. We had five of us, so five of us would alternate between playing tic-tac-toe. And there was one leader who will not be named, but he loved watching us suffer. 
even though he suffered the most every time because he remembered why we all suffered. But it was balanced out by some vindictive pleasure in watching fellow youth leaders. He would say at the beginning of the planning meeting, or the planning at the beginning, like the debrief, like, hey guys, we're going to be playing tic-tac-toe. Or the briefing. The briefing. Debriefing comes afterwards. He would say we're playing tic-tac-toe and he would watch us all just sit there like, are you kidding me right now? (laughs) We can't do this. And we no longer play tic-tac-toe. Yeah, when, you've just given None up. of us can. We can't even play normal tic-tac-toe. And any time... Without getting some flashbacks. Oh, like, just watching you know, like the non-flashbacks just in like, every movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's you now. They would just hold the pillow like a deer in the headlights and look at the board. And, like, even if they were going to win, they would still not put it together and put the p- pillow cushion in the wrong spot. Like, they couldn't figure out... That they had to win, and they couldn't figure out how to keep the other team from winning. And, oh, man. Tic-tac-toe. I can... Every time I see a youth ministry meme about youth ministry being painful, it's always a race between me and two of the other leaders to comment and tag each other and just say the words tic-tac-toe. Perfect. That's amazing. Because it hurts so bad. Anyway, that's my youth ministry story. We hate tic-tac-toe now. Don't ever play tic-tac-toe with me unless you want to get hurt. On that note, we're going to be talking about the church. Mm -hmm. Talk about fellowship. And we'll be honest, we were kind of stumped. We're like, what on earth are we going to do on our podcast Mm -hmm. this week? Like, we need something. Mm -hmm. And we had nothing. And we were both very tired. And it was a rough week for both of us. Just for a lot of reasons. And so it was like, oh, we don't know what to say to anyone. We don't have any words. And then I think it was you. And you were just mm-hmm. like, can we just talk about the church? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the church. Yeah. Like, the last couple of weeks, um, we've experienced a couple communities um, in different contexts and have come to appreciate it in several different ways. We both were able to go home for a little bit um, safely mm-hmm. um, without spreading any terrible contagious viruses and um yeah it it's crazy being here in this context um where we do have a very close-knit community we're able to meet every day Mm -hmm. and every week we're able to worship together we're able to fellowship together everything we do is centered around the church and community um because there's nothing else out here other than the church and community but Going home, at least for me, was a very eye-opening experience about not only how much of a blessing it is to have this community, but how vital the community in the church is mm. and what it looks like in outside communities. Here, we like all we have is the church, so we depend on the church. We serve the church, whatever mm. we do. Um, well, Even in insane yeah. youth ministries. Yeah, exactly. But out in the real world, world right now, you can't necessarily do that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of debating whether or not we should meet or whether we should not. We're probably going to talk about COVID in this episode. I'm so sorry. Beating that dead horse. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, we haven't heard enough of that in the last year. We'll try and keep it minimal. It's been a, almost a year. Let's try and... Uh, why would you say that? Let's mm. try and keep that minimal. We can just talk yeah. about the positives. I know we're pessimists, but let's... Yeah. Let's force ourselves I'm, I'm to realist. be, be what's the opposite? Optimistic. Optimistic. That's yep. See, yeah. can't even remember the word. That's how. That's how bad it You're is. You're doing good. Um, but yeah, like 
just experiencing the church, um, at least this last week for me, um, in the world of COVID just gave me a new perspective on why it is so important. And growing up, the church was always super important to my family, even if it wasn't necessarily to me. I have not been a Christian for nearly as long as even Aaron has, or my family. My family has a rich heritage of Christianity, and I've been raised in a lovely Christian home, but I definitely did not appreciate the value of that, or the church, until about two years ago, and especially this year. This year's been a big lesson for me on Mm. the church. Um, But yeah, so there's a lot that we value about fellowship, and we've talked about it a lot. The reason we chose this podcast is we were talking about, like, things that we talk about frequently this week. And a big thing for both Aaron and myself was that we need the church mm. and we need people. You know, like, we live in a very humanist culture where individualism is such a key thing. But also being individualistic as a collective and bowing to yeah. this, the, this ruling authority. Mm-hmm. But in that sense. That's not what we see Christianity as. <laughs> no. And not at all. We are part of the body of Christ, right? Like we need each other. Mm. We need family. We need to be we like we are a, a body in Christ. Mm. Um you can't have a bunch of different pieces of a body all scattered, it's not a body. It's that's just a cadaver. Corpse. Yep. Yeah. So we're not that. We're really dark. Sorry. I know. Sorry. <laughs> now you guys actually, like, you've had ten episodes of us. Now Come I feel on, like you I should can, know by now. I can be myself. <laughs> um, Don't do that to them, Pam. They're not ready. <laughs> yeah, they're probably not. But, like, most of them know me. <laughs> None of me. us are. Most of them know me, I think. I don't know. There's a few people I don't know if they do know me, but it's fine. Anyways. You'll figure it out. Um, Yeah, and, like, in order to be a vital living church, we need to be in community with one another. Mm. So... Yeah. Alive being a key word. Yeah. Yeah. Alive is a key word. See, we we took it back. We took it back to a normal, healthy state of being and conversation. Yep. Yep. So. Erin's laughing at me, guys. <laughs> I don't know if she actually listens to a thing I say. I think she just makes fun of me. What? Hmm? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay. Say so, your piece, Erin. <laughs> yes. Lovely. Um, I don't quite know where to start. So... You said the church is necessary. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, why is the church necessary? Let's expound on that a little bit. Oh, man. Even um, what scriptures do you think of? Um, yeah. Why do I think the church is necessary? Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many reasons I think it's necessary. Like, oh, no. My dad's a pastor. I'm very used to the church being a normal part of my life. And seeing... How the church comes together in times when it's really hard, like, that's important. We're supposed to care for one another, and I think that while the church is full of humans who don't necessarily do it well, Mm. we are to care for one another. And there are people who are really good at that in the church. I just think, like, yeah, I can think of so many times my family was struggling um, with various things and without any hesitation we had so much support and so much love from the church um 
more than our own family sometimes because they that's just how close our church has been and yeah I don't know it's not not always like that there's definitely still trials and stuff but yeah and especially in times of trials and chaos it's a way that we can show the gospel and foretell like foreshadow what it like living in the presence of Christ is and not living selfishly even in hard times we're doing things for one another we're caring for Mm -hmm. one another we're building each other up in love and I think that that's really key. Um, this this life is hard, and we can't do it alone. Mm. And having a church body is so vital to a Christian life. Um, without it, without discipleship, we see so many people spiraling. We see cult pe- spinoffs. Cult spinoffs. We see the progressive church. <clears throat> Mm. Which I would argue <laughs> is spinoffs. <laughs> Sorry, something on. in my throat. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> Can't imagine what happened there. Yeah. But I would argue that the reason we have even the progressive church movement is not because of you know lack of knowledge, hmm. but it's lack of being discipled. Because hmm. um, yeah, if you even look at Rob Bell, like that man studied and studied and studied. Um, He's not he, a stupid man. No, he. Had, Good content for a while. He did. He just wasn't discipled properly. And he decided to do it on his own. And I think that's why the church is also so important, is it keeps our theology in check. Like, Mm. the moment we go off on our own is a moment that the devil makes us the devil targets. Pounces. Yeah. He's a prowling lion, right? Like, lions go off of, out and... Go for the the stragglers, the weak ones that fall behind. Mm -hmm. The ones on their own. Yep. And... One who wandered. There's a reason that the devil's compared to a lion. Yeah. Like, that's that's what it is. Is we need the church for protection from that. We need church Mm. to build each other up, to Mm -hmm. disciple, to teach, rebuke, correct, train, in order to Mm. provide, like guide one another towards the truth instead of letting everybody just go on their own way because we know what happens when people go on their own way. We get Scientology. (laughs) Because we know there's only one way, right? Like, if you Mm -hmm. believe that there's one way to salvation and if you understand that truth, you know that if you divert from that, like, that's detrimental to Mm -hmm. your spirit, Mm -hmm. right? It is. So yeah, I don't know, like I can think of a lot It's very humbling, isn't it? It is. Because you have to admit that you don't know everything. And our culture is so great at telling you that you you know what's best for you, Mm -hmm. and it's all about you, and you can't help others until you help yourself. I hate that so much. I see that all the time, and it it bothers me because Mm -hmm. it's so untrue. I gotta look out for me first. I've even heard the, the, you can't. Um, love your neighbor as yourself until you learn to love yourself. All that mentality, very individualistic, mm-hmm. but it's so, it's such a, a poison mm-hmm. because it seems like a good idea. It kind of does. It's like that yeah. self care, that self love. Oh, yeah, like I can look after other people. Like the analogy of you put your own mask on, like your oxygen mask in a plane mm-hmm. in emergency, you put your own on mm-hmm. first before you can help someone else. In first aid, you do have to make sure, mm-hmm. like, you do have to make sure. 
that's a practical thing in first aid. It does not apply to your spiritual life. Like, that's not how that works at all. Because spiritual life is not CPR? The way it's supposed to work is, like, I'm not thinking of myself, mm -hmm. and I'm looking out for others, and they're doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm still getting taken care of. Mm -hmm. You're not abandoning yourself. Mm -hmm. You're not, like, completely ignoring mm -hmm. all of the glaring signs of your own detriment, like your own health and safety, mm -hmm. because someone else is looking out for you. Mm -hmm. That's the way it's supposed to work. Mm -hmm. it's, it's called a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. It's supposed to work. It does work when everyone is looking out for everyone else. Yeah. And obviously, like, we're fallen people. Yeah. It's not going to work perfectly. We know that. On our um, own strength. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the key there. It's... It's a miracle. The mm. church is a miracle because there's no reason for so many people, so many differences to come into a setting and be able to live in unity. And mm. obviously, like, now more than ever, we're seeing the amount of disunity, which is really hard. But there is unity still. Mm. We can all find unity around the gospel. Mm. And that, that in and of itself is a miracle. The fact that I could travel across the world to someone with a polar opposite culture of mine, which I have done. Mm -hmm. And I could meet with a Christian, someone who knows who Jesus is and has read their Bible and is in the scriptures. And I can sit down with them. I might not be able to speak their language, but I look at them as a brother or sister mm -hmm. in Christ. I've had that. And it is so beautiful. Yeah. It is amazing to look at someone and be like, you and I have nothing in common except for Jesus and we're friends. Like, mm -hmm. and we just have this understanding and there's this, there's this bond. And it's so hard to describe because like, I might not even be able to have a conversation with them because we don't speak the same language, but it's like Jesus or like Jesus or however they're going to pronounce it because it's different language. It's like, yeah, yeah, you get it. Like mm -hmm. Jesus, you know who Jesus mm -hmm. is. It is amazing because then I've seen people come to help me mm -hmm. for no other reason other than the fact that they know who Jesus is, and they know I know who Jesus is. And that's it. It's the yep. only thing that we have in common. That is powerful. That is incredible. Nothing else in this world unites as much as Jesus does. And drives people apart as much as Jesus yeah. does, right? The chaff being driven away. That, like, mm -hmm. it really sets you apart. As a, a holy priesthood, right? Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It, it's, and it's terrifying. Incredible. Like, it's a, yeah. wow. Like, it's just incredible. It's, it's a big responsibility, too. Yeah. And, yeah, like... Time. I don't know, as I was thinking this through, like, the the relationship that we have with one another is meant to be, like, the relationship we have with Christ and the body has with Christ. Like, we're supposed to be sharing the gospel in how hmm. we interact with one another, you know? Like, God coming to earth in spite of our differences, in spite of our sin, and he knew about all our sin. And yet he lived and died for us anyway. And we're able to now be in fellowship with him, be in fellowship with the Father, being like, be able to present ourselves blameless before God mm. in order to be able to boldly approach his throne. Mm. That's a level of fellowship that you can't get from a holy God as sinful people. Mm. And that's incredible. And our interactions with one another should reflect that mm. because like we all know how broken we all are we all know everybody can point out everybody else's faults oh, it's, it's not hard it's, it's pretty easy i can think of so many if i try hard enough i don't even have to try that hard i'm a pretty pessimistic person however 
people are do, able to do the same about me. And then we're able to come together and love each other and be willing to lay down our lives for our friends. Mm. And that's there's no greater love than that. It's a picture of family and fellowship that you can't get. And in a world that is so broken, in a world that family is not a common thing. And mm. we have the ability to, through our interactions with one another, be able to proclaim the gospel and be able to show a love that passes all understanding. Like, there's no reason for this to make sense. Mm. There's no reason for you and I to be friends. No, I absolutely mean, none. I'm pretty cool. We've often imagined if we had met each other before Bible school, like when Pam was still a pagan and I was still a Pharisee. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that would have been interesting. We wouldn't have been friends. Nope, we would have been mortal Even enemies. With And we haven't changed that much. Like, I became a Christian, but my personality is still very much here. I changed a lot. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still working through things, I guess. I mean, like, I guess my personality hasn't mm-hmm. really changed, but I definitely am a lot more gracious with people. That's fair. I Like, I was humbled, like, a lot. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But, yeah. like, yeah, there's no reason for us to be friends, even now, ex- apart from the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, there's... We almost didn't become friends. We almost didn't become friends. I thought that Aaron was just an arrogant jerk who thought she was better than all and of I us. And I had no clue. No, I was like... <laughs> I was totally clueless. I was just, like, living my life, like... Look at this girl who didn't even plan to audition for Replica, who made it. And look at this girl <laughs> who has her hydro flask with a bunch of stickers and did hey, YWAM. Why are you tagging the hydro flask? Like, I don't know. That was a thing for me at the time. Okay. We can get past it. Now on. my hydro flask is covered in stickers so we can <laughs> move on. But like, yeah, it was just like, man, she seems really cool. She's talented. She's talking in class when everybody else is too scared to. Clearly, she thinks we're better than everybody else. Am I a judgmental jerk for thinking so? Yes. Absolutely. Yes, you but were. But that's where we are. <laughs> and then it took you a couple weeks. It took me. And what were the two options in your brain? Um, I realized that to me. either, what was it? Aaron is too awkward. Oh, no, either no. I was like an arrogant oh, jerk. Oh, yeah, absolute arrogant jerk. Or. Who thinks she's too cool. Or it's so awkward that she doesn't know how to interact with people. And it comes off as an arrogant jerk because she doesn't know what to do. And those are the only two and options. What did, what did you conclude? Uh, she's not a jerk, but she is awkward as heck. So it was the, it was the latter. Yeah, it was the latter. It was the latter. She's, she's pretty awkward. She doesn't know how to talk to people. But it's pretty great. I love her I debates. Yep. Yeah. And just like, wow. You had no awkward. idea the internal screaming of like, I don't know what I'm doing or no, no why I'm here. Like, I play it off so cool. Yeah. I try to. Or I don't know. Somehow. I, when I'm flustered, I talk more. Mm-hmm. And, and somehow there's actually like sentences that string together. And so people think I'm just really confident. No. No, 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 no. That's not how that works. I'm it's just. not. Yeah. You're not. No. But. Yeah. Anyways. But this. Church fellowship. We should yes. not have been friends by we worldly standards. We shouldn't have. But yet. Here we are. Through the gospel. And it was actually through the gospel. We were able to connect and able to have a wonderful friendship that I am able to treasure so much. I'm pretty sure my mom is very grateful for Aaron, but also kind of sick of hearing Aaron's name because every time I talk, I'm like, Mom, this is this thing that Aaron and I did. This is the stupid thing that Aaron said the other day. Yeah, oh hilarious. yeah, that's my favorite. Although my mom really likes Aaron because Aaron thinks she's funny. So I think I'm hilarious. 
You also think my mom's hilarious. I think your mom is hilarious that's, as well. That's Aaron's oh, that's what fault. you meant. Whoops. Uh, yep. Both of you. <laughs> both of you guys think you're funny. I do think I'm funny, mostly because like I'm in my head all day, and I make a lot of jokes in my head that no one ever hears. So the amount of times I crack myself up in class is kind of really sad. But like it's it's a good time in my head. I'm... We have fun. <laughs> Me, myself, and I. We're multiple personalities. Anyways, moving on. But, like, another thing that, like, really stood out this week um, for me is that as a church, um, we're able to, and I'm going to just flip to it really quick, um, we're able to bear one another's burdens, and I was reading Galatians, Mm. which I actually love Galatians so much. It's a a passage that I, or a book that I read a lot when I first became a Christian. I just read Galatians through... Philippians, or Galatians through Colossians, like, every week, pretty much. I was just, that's where I always ended up. Mm. And in Galatians 6, 2, it talks about, um, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I think that that's, that's, in a nutshell, what the church is for. Like, Mm. I don't know. I can think of so many times when I myself have been struggling, whether it be with my mental health or my physical health or my spiritual walk, just not really sure um, what to do. And Aaron or my mentors, um, various mentors that I've had, um, just some close friends of mine here at the school, um, close friends back home, my mom, my dad, my mom and dad's friends even have been able to see that struggle and then watch come alongside me and help me bear it as I strain further towards Christ. And Mm. that's a key thing that we forget about the church is not only are we supposed to care for others, we're supposed to, it's our duty and it's our privilege to be able to care for one another. Mm. But when we struggle, that same care is extended to us from others. Mm. And so, yeah, that's just something that I think is really key to the church. Um, to it's very powerful. It, it really is, because yeah. in today's culture, there's so much of that self-care, but there's also so much of don't take on other people's burdens. Don't, that's something that, I don't know, as somebody... you who, can't handle yeah, it. Yeah, as somebody who studied psychology for a while, like, that's number one thing you're told, is everybody else's problems are not your problems. You don't mm. have to take care of them. You're just... You're not obligated. You're not obligated to stay in fact sometimes it can you can be able to think that they're toxic for having burdens suddenly everyone's toxic toxic. because everyone has burdens yeah everybody's dealing with something it's probably big and so that's like just another beautiful thing about the church is yeah you don't other people's problems are not necessarily your problems don't get me wrong they're not you you can't spend your life worrying about you know and sometimes Every the detail. biggest thing in someone's life is frivolous and petty. Exactly. That's true. That is a, a sad reality. But we're able of, to... About lack of maturity, right? Through the power of God's strength. And it is through God's strength we're able to come alongside <laughs> yeah. people and care for them in the midst of their weakness and help them bear burdens. In fact, it's what we are commanded to do as mm. Christians. So, yeah. Mm. And, like, I don't know, we just finished John class which is a beautiful, beautiful book. I loved the book of John. Um, but John class also included um, the letters of John, which is, you know, First John 1, 2, 3. Great books. I actually, 
read First John a lot this summer. And a key thing about the book of First John is the insane emphasis on love. Everything about the book of John is love. You can't love people if there's no people. You need people in order to love. You do. That's the reality of love. You, you can't just, I am going to love into the void. You need people for that. We're called as Christians to love people, which means we must surround each other with people. Mm. So yeah, that's my thoughts on the book of First John. Love. Do you have a passage you're going to read? Because you might be stealing the passage I had written down. No, I, oh, I no. just kind of wrote down the entire book of First John. Oh, just John. the entire book of First yeah. John? So Brilliant. go read First John, and then you'll read exactly what I have in mind. Hmm. Like, fellowship really is a powerful thing. And, like, like we're in a spiritual battle, mm-hmm. and that is a huge part of the burdens we bear. And, like, it doesn't need to be this over-sensationalized, like, oh, I'm facing a spiritual battle. It's like, no, duh. Like, it's everywhere, and it was promised to, like... It's not something you should freak out about or shy away from or just... Or be surprised by. Like, just think... Like, it's just a normal thing. Like, Mm -hmm. I highly recommend the Screwtape Letters for putting some perspective Mm -hmm. on that. Excellent, excellent book by C.S. Lewis. There's Aaron's C.S. Lewis plug. There it is, the C.S. Lewis plug. But, okay, I was really inspired by something in Screwtape Letters in, like, I think the second letter. Uh, I wrote... I, I did a painting based on it, actually. And it's really funny because the painting is this, like... basically you're looking into space but you see breaking through there's this army and there's there's horses and shining light and armor and spears and banners and like this whole this whole array of power right and i've asked people okay what do you think this painting is called Mm -hmm. what do you think this is about and they're looking okay like it seems very spiritual all my christian friends are like uh is it the the army of god Mm -hmm. like something like that like Maybe it's something about the end times. There's four horsemen. Mm-hmm. This is, yeah. What, what, what is this? And I'm like, no, I actually called this painting The Bride of Christ. And they're like, why? Because uh, in Screwtape Letters, he's talking about the church. And like it's, two, it's, it's one demon mentoring another demon if you're un- unfamiliar mm-hmm. with uh, that concept. But so the older senior demon is saying like one of our one of our greatest weapons, so for like the forces of hell, our greatest weapons is the church. And the younger demon's super confused. Like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, no, no, not the church as you and I see it. That great army spread over time and space, like as terrible as an army with banners. No, I mean like the little gothic imitation mm-hmm. church on the corner. And he separates those two things mm-hmm. because they're not always together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, whoa. So, like, the spiritual church is a fierce, powerful, amazing thing. Sometimes the church building does not include that. Sometimes mm-hmm. it is excluded from that, which I think is why we're talking more about fellowship rather than just, like, the traditional church mm-hmm. institution because those two necessarily aren't necessarily hand in hand. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's very sad and breaks my heart that people could be meeting for, for church every Sunday and yet their hearts are far from worshipping or, or being encouraged by fellowship. But that is a very sad reality. And honestly, I'm kind of grateful for COVID because it's really driven away a lot of it's the chaff, I'll say, and forced a lot of people to anal- analyze, like, why do I actually go to church every Sunday? Why is this important to me? And the ones who really do care are the ones who try and stay involved. They might stay in the online services. Mm-hmm. Of course, like, some people, like, really suffering there's there's a lot of different scenarios but mm-hmm. on the whole i've seen the people who are really committed to following christ and being in the fellowship with the body mm-hmm. are putting in the effort mm-hmm. 
in hopes that like, okay, we'll be able to meet again because we value this. Mm -hmm. And the people who didn't really value it before, they just don't care. Mm -hmm. They just stop. Yeah. I, that is one benefit. I've seen that a lot. I've talked about that with my dad a lot. Yeah. Like, it's definitely showing where people's hearts are at. Mm -hmm. You're seeing why people come to church. You're seeing the motive. You're seeing where they're actually at with their walk with God. You're seeing... And you can... It's funny because you can tell where they're at with their walk with God according to how they treat the church. Mm. It like How do you treat his bride? Yeah. Like, you don't walk up to someone and say, man, I love you, but I hate your wife. Man, we should have... That's Austin Tykerb right there. I mean, Austin You just Ty quoted Austin Tykerb because that's Austin. part of her testimony. I mean, Austin Tykerb definitely says this, but so do lots of other people. I know, but like... Matt Chandler says that. This is her testimony. It's true. It's Why true. didn't we have her on the podcast? Yeah, Austin, if you hear this, Austin, this is our... I'm sorry, this is our shout out that, like... you to be on our podcast. This is very much you. something you care about. Yeah. It's cool. But... Like, yeah, I don't know. That's just something that I've really realized. Like, even with myself, I am I find it really hard sometimes to love the church. Just because, you know, the church has done damage and the church has hurt me a lot. Mm. And the church has hurt people around me a lot. There's a lot of sin and brokenness within the church. The classic example, that. the Crusades. Yes. Everyone's problem crusade. with the church. Oh. The Crusades. Yes. I want to problems. learn about the Crusades and you'll, you'll figure out why I mean, that's a not a great example. I personally have a lot of problems with the Well, so do I, so, but it wasn't the church. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the church. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, just so many politics and medieval warfare. Oh, my Atlanta. Yeah. That was not the representatives of God. No, it wasn't. And even today, like, there's a lot of hurt feelings and a lot of bitterness towards the church. I just talked to somebody who said that the reason they could never be a Christian wasn't Christianity. It was the church. Mm. That's and, a very common thing. And... In Canada, I feel like it's a little different. Uh, mm -hmm. The southern states are really bad for that. Yeah. Because there's a lot of nominalism mm -hmm. uh, yeah. still. Yeah. I think Canada's kind of progressed past that. There was nominalism probably like 90s, early 2000s. I was a little, like, it was still, I guess, cool to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not now. But now it's not anymore. And so we've kind of gone past that and the states mm -hmm. are, the southern states are soon to follow. Yeah. But I think, like, how we treat the church and how we love the church and how we love as a church is our greatest testimony, especially in a time mm. of chaos and a time of uncertainty and a time of a lot of fear. Like, there's so many people who are terrified right now. And we have hope as a church. We mm. have hope and we have love in a time when everybody, everybody's mad, everybody's hurt, everybody's frustrated, everybody is falling apart. We have something different. We have something that we can offer that is different. Mm. And I feel like... As a church now, what we are called to do is shine that light, show that hope, and and love one another. Mm. And so that's my spiel on the church today. Jumping off that, yeah. I have some scripture I want to read Ooh. that really emphasizes what you were just saying. So, from 1 John. Because it's an amazing book that you should uh, read. I had written this down. I did not know you were going to bring up 1 John. That's cool. Uh, it's just the, the intro to First John. I'll just read the first four verses. That, that which was heard from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. And that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship 
is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Mm -hmm. You might be wondering, Aaron, what does that really have to do with the church? Just because it said the word fellowship. But it really highlights, okay, why are you gathering? Mm -hmm. Why are you together? The word of life. The word of life that you've seen and you testify to and you proclaim eternal life. And which is what the Father made manifest to us. And I, not necessarily from this passage, but good fellowship in the church is a beautiful reflection of the Trinity and the the beautiful relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the hypostatic union. Mm -hmm. There's all these things that they reflect one another, right? And so we can be reflecting that. And we're we're the bride of Christ and we reflect a, a groom and his bride and the love that he has for his bride. And if the bride is disunified, she, she's not going to be able to walk down the aisle kind of thing. Oh, that's a stupid mm-hmm. analogy. Right, take, taking the analogy a little far. A little cheesy. But that's okay. A little bit. Anyways. It's fine. We expect nothing less from you. I know. But I love in verse 4, it says, And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And John uses this phrase several times. It's also used in Philippians. It's one of my favorite passages. I will just go there very quickly. Give me a moment. Um... So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Mm-hmm. Like that, that idea of what makes your joy complete. John is kind of emphasizing that fellowship. And Paul in Philippians there is being of the same mind of Christ and of, of having his goals in mind and, and trying to be like Christ in essence. That's one, one takeaway from that passage that like completeness of joy. Do we ever think about that? Like it's the second fruit of the spirit is pretty important, right? I, I look at that list as like, it's written in that order for a very specific purpose. Cause they do flow into one another from what I've seen. So love joy. If we love Christ, we, we will love one another the way fellowship ought to be and trying to bring bring a, a picture of what the fellowship between man and God was in the garden. Mm-hmm. Trying to get back to that, mm-hmm. looking back to that, but also at the same time, looking forward to the fellowship we'll have when we are glorified and fully sanctified and we won't have to have any stupid COVID or any stupid sin in the way of having complete joy, but we can still strive for that. And we can still be encouraging one another and building one another up. And it's just, there's so many facets to it and it's beautiful. And it's all throughout scripture. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking, ah, instituted church, pfft, it's not for me. I'm fine on my own. You're wrong. Read your Bible. <laughs> That's mic drop. Yep. Do you have anything to add, Pam? I know. I think, yeah. The only thing I would say here is just a little bit of plug, just um, from recent, ex- recent experience hmm. and... Um, yeah, through all of this, we need to be praying for our churches. Mm -hmm. Our churches are in a place of spiritual battle. I was talking to my dad recently, and we agreed that this is the most spiritual battle either of us have ever seen. Obviously, he's been alive a lot longer than I have. Um, he's seen a lot more spiritual warfare than I have, but... This is a time where we need to be praying for the church. We need to be protecting the body of Christ. Um, pray for your elders. Pray for your pastors. Pray for those in your church. Hmm. Build one another up. Encourage your pastors. Don't let them think that they're doing this alone. Don't, don't leave them to 
run, like, they're not meant to just run the church. Like, mm. they're meant to teach the church. It's not a institution. It's a family. Mm. Like, show that you support your family in Christ in some small way, even if it's just a note or a prayer. Like, that's not just a note or a prayer. Yes. Yeah. how our church knows that we do care mm. right now. And I think that's really important. Like, yeah, care for your fellow believers. Mm. And yeah, that's my thoughts. Nice. In closing. Hmm. I don't have any stupid joke, oh, but no. Pam, do you want to play tic-tac-toe? No! <laughs> Be blessed in the most chaotic way possible. And enjoy your coffee. <laughs>